Wow, welcome to the History of LASKIA one-on-one sessions. I'm Junior Francis. This series celebrates the SKIA, Rocksteady, and vintage reggae scenes in Southern California and beyond through insightful conversations with legends and modern day players, including those behind the scenes. So many people working behind the scenes. We really and truly want to thank them. This is the uh, 31st one-on-one sessions and our 16th in this new podcast and YouTube channel. Thanks for the ongoing support from all our fans worldwide. Today, we are joined by the dynamic front woman for Orange County, California-based Save Ferris, singer, composer, writer, uh, Monique Powell. Ms. Powell, how are you? Better now that I'm here with you. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Wonderful. It's good to have you. Yeah. You really yeah, it's good to yeah, be yeah, it's a pleasure, you know. We're gonna have fun. Yeah. Uh, let me assure yeah. you. Fun. Yeah. So let's start uh by asking you, where were you born and raised? So I was born in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. um, and then raised between Los Angeles and Orange County for the most part. I mean, mm-hmm. I moved to Orange County um when I was little and then moved back here in 1998 to LA. Oh, so you're in LA, not Orange County. Correct. I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah. Right. Wonderful. So when were you first exposed to uh, SCIA? Your first exposure? Uh, I think my first exposure was um, through my sister, who's Mm -hmm. about 11 years older than (laughs) me. And growing up in Orange County in the 80s, we were listening to K-Rock radio and the specials mm-hmm. and the selector and i was hooked at that point <laughs> yeah so uh brothers and sisters are they singers or just uh, love me music any any brothers no just just my older sister who right. um you know i mean <laughs> when you're a little kid you like you really look up and I still look up to my sister a lot and mm-hmm. her t- thank God she had good taste in music because mm-hmm. it really did shape who I was. To oh, so you don't blame her for baptizing you into this music. No, 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 no. <laughs> she had good taste in music. And uh, I grew up to have, I think fairly good taste in music as a yes, grown up. So. I, I second that. Mm-hmm. And how about your parents? Yeah. Are they uh, alive? And if they are, I'm quite sure they are extremely proud of your accomplishment. Oh, I would like to think so. My my dad passed a few years ago, but um, yeah, he 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 loved to sing, and mm-hmm. he was my he's the reason why I started singing when I was a little kid. What role um, did he play? But yeah, what role did he well, I mean, just listening to my dad sing. So it's kind of a weird story. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I don't know if you want the whole story, but um, my mom is North African. She's from Morocco and my dad's American. Mm-hmm. Um, and my sister and I were raised Jewish, even though my dad was raised Southern Baptist. Um, he converted to Judaism in like 1962 in, in Morocco because he was stationed there as an Air Forceman. That's how they met. My mom was an interpreter. But anyway, um, I digress. We were raised Jewish and only Jewish. And mm-hmm. but my dad had this beautiful voice and we grew up listening to him mm-hmm. sing these songs to us. And then when I 
was studying um, classical music in college, um, I was going to different uh, to services for different types of faiths as part of my study. And I went to a Baptist church and I was like, I know this song and I'm singing along. And I was like, oh my God, my dad has been singing to us about Jesus this whole time. I didn't even know until I was like 20. So, or I mean, 17, 18 actually, but so that's how I started singing was basically through the gospel, which was kind of obscure, but like, um, but awesome too. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, and I grew up harmonizing with my dad to the radio. And so, yeah. And then I, and then I went on a different path. There you go. Your mom, we should acknowledge her as well. What has become of you? So my mom is still in Orange County. Yes. Um, Chances are she won't see this, so we won't neglect her. (laughs) She'll be happy to know that. Yeah. So mom's still in Orange County and um, Mm -hmm. she is not a singer. Has she ever attended any of your concerts? Yes. Many. Many. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Many. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So you joined the Shanties, uh, what is believed to be a first all-girls group here in Southern California, the entertainment capital of the world, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, that's how I got it. Was that, is that the case? The first I'd like to, all-female? So, yeah, my first band was an all-girls ska band oh, called the Shanties. Mm. Well, um, I was... Uh, all so I had been singing for already a long time at yeah. that point when I was yeah. uh, 18, 19, I was in college and then I got um, really involved in the local scene and mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how it happened, but I ended up in this, like, I just loved ska, you know? And so, yeah, I ended up in this great all girl ska band. We did cover songs did like my boy lollipop and <laughs> all these like great yeah, classic yeah. early mm-hmm. stuff so mm-hmm. very very traditional and right and, and or about yeah. what time period are we talking about so this should have been maybe 1994 maybe 90 yeah 94 95 maybe right yeah nice and who are some of your bandmates back then Oh my God, it was so long ago. And I think we only yeah, played a couple shows. It's all about memory juggling sometimes, you know, and give, I know. And give acknowledgement to people <laughs> or persons who play an active role <laughs> so they won't feel neglected. Oh my gosh. Well, mm-hmm. I, we, we, honestly, I, I can't remember all of their names because we mm-hmm. didn't really stay in touch. And I'm not sure if any of the other girls went on to continue doing music. Mm-hmm. But we did get in touch on Facebook and they sent me the one photo of the shanties mm-hmm. that that I've that I have and it's one of my my proudest possessions. So no, I'll have no to send that to you. No guys. recordings, no recordings were done, right? No, mm. no. We were cute though. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> so now we move on to now Sam Ferris uh, formed on or about 1995. And who were the original members? So Save Ferris pretty much started when we, when the original um, group of us all got together, which was like 
um, Mark Harris Mendy on drums, um, Eric Zamora on sax, uh, Jose Castellanos on trumpet, Bill Uechi on bass, Brian Mashburn on guitar. I hope I haven't left anybody out. So that's kind of, you know, so they had been playing together, some of those guys already. And then, um, and I was also in another band. So we were familiar with each other. And then, um, yeah, we started playing um, S.A. Ferris together about that time. Okay. And yeah. And so since then, and that was a long time ago now, um, the lineup has changed, but mm -hmm. I'm still here. Right. So, so we come back to the lineup, uh, the, new, the current lineup. What was it like yeah. uh, hearing your music on uh, one of the most recognized radio stations here in Southern California, considered the entertainment capital of the world, Kera? What was it like, that experience hearing your, your voice? Safe well, that was very special again, because I remember listening to that radio station as a little girl. And when Rodney Bingenheimer played say Ferris I was just like is this did he just say say Ferris? like Rodney knows who we are and I couldn't <clears throat> believe it it was a very um special moment and then when they played us in the middle of the day on like um you know like primetime k-rock yes. that was that was when I I just knew things were gonna we really change no turning back no going back <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And your parents heard you, both mom and dad were alive then. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they were very, very proud. Yeah. I can imagine. Your first full length yeah. album, it, it means everything from, I think, on or about 1997 when platinum. But that's something else. Uh, as far as I know, yeah. Um, worldwide platinum. Yeah. And it featured an uh, infectious rendition of, uh, I think, the Dixie's Midnight Runners. Yes. And I think, come yeah. on. Mm -hmm. So why you cover those two songs or the group cover those songs in particular? Well, uh, so Come On Eileen, we covered, mm -hmm. um, you know, I just love the song again as a kid growing up watching MTV, like mm -hmm. early MTV and listening to early K-Rock. That song was um, just a song that always made me really happy. And so mm -hmm. um, Brian Mashburn came up with a, um reimagining of the arrangement of the song imagine and <laughs> yeah yeah and uh mm -hmm. yeah and it just it just blossomed. so so when a when a, when a record says platinum does it mean that you need a tractor trailer to draw the money i <laughs> wish <laughs> i wish i wish i could say that that <laughs> <laughs> it's another conversation. <laughs> mm. So what label were you guys with? And were you pleased with um, the contract? Or if you had a contract then, were you pleased? Any so, well, we were signed to Epic, which, mm -hmm. um, large. which was a subsidiary of Sony. Mm -hmm. And so, and we had a lot of support, which was great, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then, and we were really young. And so we were really like willing to do whatever they asked us to do um even if maybe it wasn't the best thing for us at the time but we still we were still like we just want to play 
Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so, you know, it was the same situation, I think, with almost every other band that was getting signed in our genre and the genres sort of revolving closely in our galaxy. Um, you know, we all got shitty deals, you know, and um, but we were all young and no bank was going to give us a loan. So um, record labels just acted like like gangster um, loan sharks, you know, and, you know, got, got us all in real young and inexperienced. And no, lawyer represent, no lawyer spoke for you guys. You guys. Didn't. Well, we actually, so we did, we had a really good lawyer, but again, the deal was just standard. And in those days, people were just taking like musicians were just taking the crap that was thrown at them. And it was crap. It was, it was, but we just, that was all there was really at the time. There wasn't really a lot of like labels who were um, throwing incredible deals at anybody. I mean, those were the days when like, you know, George Michael and Prince were suing their labels because even they didn't own their, their masters, Mm -hmm. you know, and they realized that they had been loan sharked and then they did these like, like crappy deals. So but that's that was the time. I'm so glad things are have changed. Right. You know? So the, yeah. the the deals are better now. Are essentially there are no our record companies signing deal. We went from one extreme to we have a lot of uh, loan sharks, mafias, signing off, yeah. exploiting them to know you don't have record deals anymore. Is that the case? Um. Yeah. That's pretty much it. But we are living in a time when musicians can really take their destinies into their own hands now. And, and, and it's so funny because like, you know, we were making albums for hundreds of thousands of dollars in those days. Right. And um, sometimes millions. And, and now you can just do an amazing sounding album for close to nothing. And it makes me go, Hmm. That was that was a very wasteful time, I think. Like a lot of the a lot of everybody else was getting rich, but the poor musicians for the most part were not. Um and yeah, but it is yeah, what it is, and I'm yeah, it, so it's grateful. Called, it's called a capitalism. I think some people understand it. <laughs> that was more like gangster capitalism. Yes, of the worst. You know? really yeah, 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 yeah. Because I see how some Jamaican artists are living now. Really, really, really sad, profoundly sad. I I, I mean, I I guess that's the case all over, not Jamaican musicians, or you're not the exception, it's the standard. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah. And Mm. I mean, I I don't regret any of it. I, I, um, you know, just, we, we, we took what we were offered because um, that's all that was being offered. And it was either that or nothing. And it, you know, again, um, it, 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 there's no bank that was going to loan, you know, a 19, 20 year olds, the amount of money we needed to be able to hire the producers that we needed or the engineers that we needed to be able to care about us really, um, at that time. Um, like I said, it was a really expensive, very wasteful time 
And so being kids, we just mm-hmm. like, you have to understand when K-Rock started playing Say Ferris, I think we were maybe the first unsigned band in K-Rock's history to get, to be placed on consistent rotation. rotation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and that was kind of like, that was a really big deal. You know. And mm-hmm. yeah, if you didn't have a major deal, a yeah. major the record deal. The closest thing to be in heaven on earth at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you didn't have a major label deal, if you didn't have a major label deal in right. that in those days, right. then you wouldn't get played on the radio. And if you didn't get played on the radio, yeah, then right, right, you just mm-hmm. you couldn't tour, and you didn't. Mm-hmm. It just it was very very difficult and mm-hmm. very highly unlikely to be mm-hmm. able to make it. Um, so how were you so, able to get your, your your music played on K Rock without being signed? Um, I, again, I, I think right place, right time, oh, you right. know, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's what I think. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we were just a part of this scene that was growing and, and it got some attention early on and, um, on, on our, ba- basically on our local radio station. So, Mm-hmm. So you describe a yeah. uh, scene, let's stay with scene, describe the Southern California scene during the 90s. Was there yeah. a clear division or split between, say, the mainstream scene and the traditional? Or was it? Oh, oh, they were, I mean, there was some bleed. Um, there was some carryover. Um, some stragglers from each scene would end up at each other's shows, but for the most part, they just didn't have some that much in common, <laughs> to mm-hmm. be honest. And, you know, um, but um, the, the spirit uh, of the like third wave ska scene in the nineties in Orange County was just very much alive and, very youthful and very fun. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Mm-hmm. And when did the original Save Ferris break up? Well, that's hard to know. Um, <laughs> I would say maybe 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at, after 2003, uh, I did not tour as Save Ferris for a while. But I did, um, that's when I started doing a lot of studio work and singing on other people's albums and things. Right. So the new Save Ferris was reformed or regrouped, whichever you prefer. Mm-hmm. Uh, when was that? And how long? 20, 2013. Regroup. You decided, okay, yeah. you're gonna, uh-huh. the singing is what you love complete my thought. You love singing, so you're going to come back on the road after selling a platinum record. There's no need for you to um, have your obituary written. You're still a young person. (laughs) That's funny because, uh, I mean, (laughs) I'm I'm still wondering. I still have that obituary filed somewhere. It's like I'm ready to bring it out. Um, I, (laughs) yeah, so 2013, well, what, kind of again it's a little bit more complex than that I was I got this diagnosis um and I had to have surgery and um I had some um cervical spinal cord issues and I had to have my neck rebuilt and um 
the type of surgery I was going to have to have would have made it difficult, if not unlikely for me to sing anymore. Mm-hmm. Because I would have gone through the front. Um, and But uh, I was losing my ability to walk um, the right side of my body. I still have neuropathy on the right side. So I'll probably have to take medication for that for the rest of my life. But so I got this diagnosis and then we ended up finding a doctor who was doing at the time this mm-hmm. kind of more experimental type of surgery in which they go through the back to rebuild, which was riskier. And, um, but I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to tour again, but like, um, I said to my dad, cause my dad was always like, when are you going to, when are you going to get on stage again? And it had been like yeah. 10 years. It had been like 10 years. And I just thought, I don't think it's ever going to happen again. I don't know. Um, and right before I went under for this crazy surgery, I just said to my dad, if I wake up and I can still sing and I can still walk, then I'll bring the band back. And it's a promise I kept. Wonderful. Congratulations. So you're feeling now as we speak. Yeah. I feel good right now. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I mean, it's, um, I, I really had a lot of pain for many, many years. Years. Um, yeah, many years on the road and everything. And it was basically touring with a broken neck and two burst or, um, discs in my lower back because I didn't have health insurance for, um, a long period of time. After you, after you, you saw platinum. Yeah, I did have health insurance for a short period of time, but then um, the the way the industry was structured then, and the way it's still structured now, is that you know, we don't really take care of our recording artists in America in that way. Um, so I just continued to tour on what was. A bad situation that just became a lot worse. We're talking about excruciating pain. Yes. Yeah. And it wasn't like 24-7 pain, but um, when it would flare up, it was very, very bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was it's difficult to just dis- difficult to explain, but for the most part, like um, mm-hmm. I had all of this pressure on my spinal cord and my neck. And um, there is still some calcification that like spikes of calcification that are embedded in my spinal cord and my neck. And I was just sort of, um, my my whole neck was sort of falling into my my cervical spine. And so, and uh, kind of like choking off the um, spinal fluid to my brain. So, um, yeah, sometimes it would, right before it rained, it would flare up and I'd be like, I'm out, I'm out. Like I couldn't move. I couldn't drive for 72 hours, but, but I made it work. Right. And still working. Yeah. Before you, you, you just came back from Europe on a tour, right? So I did some touring out there, but obviously, mm-hmm. you know, the, the world imploding upon itself via COVID um, made that difficult. So I was actually in Birmingham for the last uh, year and a half or so, almost two years with my boyfriend. 
Who oh, couldn't come here. Uh, it yeah, ran, he could, does it rain a lot in you in, in England from what I can remember? Yeah. It rains there a lot. So you were always in trouble. Yeah. yeah, it rains a lot. But the good thing is I was right up the street from Coventry. So I got to see uh-huh. Neville. Yeah, I got to see Neville. So nice. I was out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bir- Birmingham's like a, a short drive to Coventry. Right. So. Mm-hmm. so what are some of the distinctive differences between um, the old band original and your current lineup now? Well, I think there's really, I, I, I don't know if it would be fair to compare. Um, they're all incredible musicians, incredibly talented. Um, they're all very fun people. We always have a lot of laughs. I think now the age gap is more substantial. They're all much younger than me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And um, are they still in music? Playing music? Those guys? Mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, I you don't know. Oh, okay. Right. No, no. It's it's been mm-hmm. a long time, and we haven't stayed in touch. But the new guys. Um, yeah, they're again much younger, and and the set is um, reimagined a little bit. It's mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more, a little, a few more changes than. I mean, it has to evolve to a certain extent. The mm-hmm. show, so there's been a little bit of nice updating and reimagining, reimagining to the show. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned um, Neville Staple. You did a project with him uh, a handful of years ago, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, us, our, I think it's um, do, you, yeah, you our, you did us yeah, our safe, yeah, yeah, our safe first EP that came out a few years ago. Neville was on, and um, it's such a great song, it's really, really good. And Second, yeah, right. I'm so glad, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm so, so glad. Was recording done it. here or there? Well, that was interesting because I was recording here with um, John Avila. We mm-hmm. we did it we did it here in Los Angeles, but Neville was still overseas. Right. So we've that we is from just, Oingo Boingo, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so um, transatlantic. You guys went. Ah. We just sort of flew the files. Oh, um, not, you didn't physical, the band didn't physical <laughs> no. <laughs> we, yeah. It was self-funded. We didn't have that kind of budget. Yeah. Right. We're talking about now 2017, <laughs> so that musicians were able to do that. In the olden days, you'd have to definitely literally physically fly across. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It I was amazed myself. I was like, oh, what, John Avila? You've just uh, blown my mind. Yes. The times of really it was so like just getting reacquainted with the music industry again after like 10 years. I was like, oh, we can do this now. This is amazing. Like I had just crawled out from under, you know, a musical rock. Like, wow, digital. Mm-hmm. Who knew? It's it's approaching two years uh, uh, since the pandemic. Have you done any shows locally or uh, across the pond, England, since the pandemic? Have you performed? So so not across the pond, but um, here we've done a couple of festivals, Mm -hmm. a couple shows. I mean, we are 
putting something together for next summer. Um, next my, summer is 2022 summer or 23? Two. 22, yeah. So this coming summer. Right, so English Hopefully. language is so complicated. <laughs> yeah so maybe like like summer fall yeah in the you know in the u.s something right so my my thing tell us a little bit more so we can well it's very early stages right now but Mm -hmm. um i'm i've been just writing for the last few years Mm. i want to put out maybe another ep um again self-funded um and it's interesting because of COVID, um, what I originally wanted the album to be has changed a lot. So I had to kind way? of start over again. In what way? Well, originally I, I kind of wanted something a little bit more, I don't know, electronic sounding and not in, not in, <laughs> like more analog digital. I don't know if that makes any sense, but like utilizing kind of older um, electronic Mm -hmm. instruments and machines to make it sound retro and kind of dubby a little bit. But but now um, there's, I had to start over because I realized that wasn't what I wanted anymore. So... So what brought about the changes? Uh, music changed, life changed. Um, you know, my my what I listened to changed. Living in England mm-hmm. changed me musically. Um, it made certain things more important than other things musically for me, and. Um, so that's it, you know, and it's, it's also been a challenge trying to figure out like, you know, what, what do I want this album to sound like? You know, um, what kind of album do I want to make lyrically? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, say Ferris isn't going to be like changing the world anytime soon but you don't know that you can yeah I I mean that would be great but um that would that would definitely be a lot of responsibility on me on me to figure out how the world should change and where it should change too which I don't know all I know is what I like and I um and I like ska and I love ska and I um, but I also love other stuff too. And, but also, um, I think that there's a purpose. Safer's has its own purpose and its own reason for existing. And I think it's important to provide the world with that. And if that's just, you so, know, a, rep- yeah, a reprieve. I, I sort of hear you say more message music as a result of yeah. the pandemic or message orientated. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like in the beginning, I was like, I want to make a political record. And it's like, no, Monique, Mm -hmm. you know, you're just, you're, you're not a kid anymore. So you don't have to write kid songs, but say Ferris is here for a reason. And it, it changes, it changes the world by 
doing what it does best, which is offering a reprieve for people for a short period of time or maybe a long period of time, you know, um, coming to a show. Uh, and I've, I've always wanted Tavaris to say something, and I do believe that it does have a message, but um, but we're not we're not a political band or anything like that. And so for me, it's just about inclusion. And it's always been about inclusion and kindness and happiness and joy and love. And it sounds really ridiculous, but um, you know, coming coming from like the background of second generation '80s ska, inclusion has always been a really big part of it for me. Mm. So, that's, that's, uh, yeah. yeah, extremely well said. So we have a couple of fans question from my good friend and our producer, Eric Kohler. So he's going to join us. <laughs> Thanks so much for, uh, for being here and uh, for your diligence and, uh, and setting this up. And thank you as well. I'm so, I'm so embarrassed. You, I'm so no, sorry. No, it's just, great. it's just Why, definitely you, been a transition. Oh, okay. No, please. You, you think you think you you're not the first to have technical difficulties. Believe us. <laughs> oh, this is. Oh this my God. Right. Nothing to be um, embarrassed about. Uh, just to Thanks. touch on 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 one of um uh, the questions Junior asked. So, how did you how did you actually meet Neville for the first time? Oh, uh, that's a good question. So, um, we did Warp Tour in two. Thousand, and I think that was when I I I met Neville. Okay. Yeah, uh, when he was when the specials were on that yeah. warp tour. Yeah, so, without Terry, without Terry Hall. Okay. Mm. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. He was li and he was living here for a while. He was living here for a long I time. Because I remember seeing him at House of Blues Anaheim, but he had really yeah. bad back problems at that. I remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then he moved. I don't know if you were there with me, but um, he had a solo band for a while. But yeah, great guy, and and um, we're actually trying to get him. We're trying to get him on one of these interviews that Junior Junior and Neville talked online a little bit. But um, no, that's great. Um, I'll I'll put a good word in. Please, please do. Yes. No, he it did express interest. He did. Yeah. Yes. We we, we just need to follow okay. up and make it happen. Yeah, I've always spoke to Linda. He did express interest that yeah, yeah, I want to be on the show. I say, yeah, man. Yeah. But, yeah. but please put the word in. That'd be great. Love I will it. for sure. Um, to talk about some of your um your biggest musical influences. Um, well, it's it's that's always a, a difficult question because um you know I I have had a lot of musical influences that have been really um, influential in, in my life. So like, like I was saying, you know, starting out as a kid and listening to my sister's music, it was, it was, it was varied and it was, um, it was uh, diverse. Um, and so it was like the Go-Go's and Devo and Bowie and the specials and the selector yeah. and you, you know and then all of a sudden she was listening to like Depeche Mode because she was living 
in Europe and oh, wow. she'd come home and I, with her cassette tapes and like, you know, I have a funny story about um, being like maybe nine years old or 10, I can't remember, but we had a, um, in my, my little elementary school, we had like a talent show and I decided that I was going to do a lip sync and I, and I practiced and I got all dressed up. So this had to be like 83 or something. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So like probably 85, probably like 85. So maybe I was 10 and um, got all dressed up in my leotard with my matching tights. And then I put on my sister's cassette and it's sex dwarf. Oh, all right. Not not the most appropriate song for a ten year old. And I swear to God, I had no idea what that song meant. Like I didn't know. I just knew I loved that song because wow. it was dark. Right? It's cool. <laughs> what, what what was the reaction from the from the, from the teachers and the uh, administrators? <laughs> Wow. That's great. It was either that or like Darling Nikki, which was like my other. <laughs> I was like yeah. so sexual. Like I was so into sexual songs as a kid, and I had no idea what they meant. I was no. just wow. so good. <laughs> That's great. And I were so I remember after my audition, my teacher took me aside and said, Well, Monique. <laughs> I knew that would be, <laughs> be the next thing. <laughs> Bring your parents. In. <laughs> wow. It was like, she was like, do you know what this song means? And I was like, it's about dollies and it's about little people and it's about <laughs> an imaginary place wow. where everybody has fun. And she goes, well, do you have another song maybe you'd like to do? I this song maybe doesn't work for us. And I was like, okay. And so I ended up doing Our Lips Are Sealed by uh, the Go-Go's, which was written by Terry Hall. Right, wow. yes, 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 yes. So that was my that other favorite so song. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Does someone have that, someone have it recorded? <laughs> I, God, I'd give anything. I, I would love to see Little Monique with all of her like Little Miss great. Sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yeah. Well, I, I, and I often wonder. I have I have two daughters, nine and seven. I often wonder if they know if they understand all the lyrics <laughs> when I right. sing along. Which you know, I didn't. I mean, you know, I grew up a huge new wave fan in the eighties, and yeah, a lot of a lot of songs that I don't I don't think I necessarily knew all the words, knew what it meant. Yeah, so. um, yeah, and it's uh, a good thing. I think that they were far more <laughs> upfront with sexuality, maybe in those days too, like. Now they disguise it a little bit like watermelon sugar and right, cake, right. cake by the ocean and stuff yeah. like that. But back then there were just like, you know, Depeche Mode, it's like master and servant, like, yeah, get, get down on your knees like a dog. Really and it's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. True. Good. So, good point. Was that song already a staple? The one you played? Was it played on the radio? Oh, yeah. Mm. It, sex War? Yeah, I, I heard it on, on First Wave the other day. <laughs> yeah. XM, yeah. Yeah. That I actually good. still really love that song, but now I actually know mm -hmm. what it means. Yeah. Great, great song. Um, so obviously throughout your career, 
you've played numerous with its warp tour that you mentioned all these radio shows k-rock and, and numerous ones um movie appearances tv appearances performances um but, but talk about some of the i don't want to put words in your mouth but talk about some of your career highlights from a live performance standpoint just just a few a few highlights i know oh um you know whether it's playing think- cities throughout the world or well, okay. So the comeback show in 2017 mm-hmm. um, was a highlight, um, and selling out the Pacific Amphitheater with with Just, Dave Wigling, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the um, with the English Beat, yeah, playing with us, and um, and because it was hard, it it there were, I was in a lot of physical therapy for four months prior just about every day because um, the surgery I had had, um, they had to cut through this muscle in, in, your, in my neck, in the back. And I guess that's a big deal. That's a big muscle and it holds everything up. And so I literally had to like learn how to hold my head up again and how to move my arms. And so, yeah, that was, that was a lot of work, but so that was definitely a lot. Um, a very special show but then you know there's all the television stuff we did and um, all the warped tours that we did and um, even doing warped in 2017 at like 40 years old and what warped had become um, you know 17 years after the last warped tour we did and it was like wow (laughs) I'm an old lady But I didn't care. I just, I had, I had so much fun and, and that's a hard tour and getting through seven weeks of doing that was Mm. also challenging, but also a gift. And yeah, I I mean, it's, it's all been an honor, honestly. I don't mean to sound cheesy, but. No, no, I I can. Like, like you realize like sort of when, your industry is pretty much obsolete for over a year, possibly more, because the industry has definitely, the live music industry has not come back as yeah. it was before <laughs> COVID and it, it's gonna take a long time for it to do so. So when that's kind of wiped off the map for the entire world, you just, you realize how, how lucky you were to have it and so that's kind of where I'm at now is just reflecting on how great all that was and how much I miss it and I miss it for my friends too and other artists and musicians yeah yeah we can we can all we can all relate that's that's very well said um yeah so so how did you you had mentioned so during the 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 10 years that that uh say Ferris did not exist you recorded several other bands and artists, right? Uh, I think it was, uh, um, you did some work with like Hilary Duff, right? You, you worked with, with, with a few, but, but touch on touch on some of those and some of those highlights. So during that time, John Feldman, who uh, is the singer Goldfinger. Um, for Goldfinger, um, became this like famous producer and 
was kind enough to give me work. And so I sang on a bunch of his records that he was doing, Goldfinger Records, Used Records, um, some ghosting. Um, and then I was working for bunches of other producers as well, doing a bunch of ghosting as well. Um, that was always fun, but I mean, it's nothing like live performing. <laughs> I think I think live performing is just um, where I excel, probably. Yeah. I, I, I'm not. I don't consider myself really a jack of all trades. Like, I'm not. I'm. I'm an okay writer. Like, I'm all right at all the other stuff, but performing is kind of where the money's at for me in a <laughs> symbolic sense. Well, and I, and I, I also feel that it's very, it's very obvious. I mean, you, you I've seen you perform numerous times and, and, and you have fun on stage. It's, it's quite, it's quite a lively set, um, you know, the interaction and just, just, just overall. So, I mean, uh, it's, it's obvious that you, you enjoy doing that, right. That's where you shine. Um, Thank you. Um, way back when to, you know, to now. And um, I had some friends that were out at punk, yeah. Punk rock bowling, right? Um, you were out there. It was a great. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny after we so the punk rock bowling show was kind of a this this most recent one yeah. was kind of a, a last minute fill in <laughs> sort of thing, um, and it was amazing because Devo headlines yes. punk rock bowling, and I got to see them for the first time in my life. Wow! So like, yeah. Yeah, so that was a very big deal for me. But it was very cute because after we played the show, the punk rock bowling show, um, my friend from Orange County, Scott Barrett, texted me and was like, my friend just texted me and was like, yeah, so I can't remember if it was his friend's son or his friend's niece or nephew. I think it was maybe a niece or something. uh, Just wrote me and said, I just found this new band called Save Ferris. You guys should check them out. <laughs> and I was like, right. Yeah. There we go. She still got it. That's right. Forty-six. Forty-six. Getting new fans. That's yeah. what we want. Absolutely. I love that. <laughs> so I thought that was cute. And so it was very fun. And it was really great. Again, you know, to have such like to be able to look out and have such a diverse crowd of fans for Save Ferris now. It's like everything I've ever wanted ever in my life, all age ranges, all nationalities, all, um, you know, you know, uh, what do you call it? Just gender diverse and like sexual orientation diverse. And it was just like, and there were punks and there were Scott kids and like, if the punks are coming to your shows, you know, you're cool. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> that made me really happy. Very good point. Yeah. Um, so how important do you think uh, it, it was for groups like say, no doubt and dance all crashers, you know, to help pave the way, so to speak, or to, or to help, you know, inspire, you know, groups like, like say Ferris. I mean, <laughs> There wouldn't have been a third wave ska scene if it wasn't for those guys. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like people want to say that because there were women before me, that women paved the way for me. But it, that's not 
is they paved the way for every single dude Same. in that scene yeah. too, yeah. you know? And, and it's like, so not just me, but every other male fronted yeah. and male backed band that was trying to make it. And they were all listening to DHC, mm-hmm. you know, right. and no doubt they just didn't want to admit it maybe, but right. they were. Yeah. The, As was I. Right. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, well, and, and what is it about? And I, I live in Orange County, um, but uh-huh. what is it about the Orange County scene? Because to, to stick on that point, the '90s, mid '90s, late '90s. I mean, ska and the ska punk or third wave would not have been what it was, right? I mean, and throughout the world, really, had it not been for bands like yourself, right? And and real big fish and others, right? Who who really helped? Um, but but what do you think it, it? What was it about? Like the bands feed out the musicians got inspired and fed off each other, and just like what, 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 if you had to pinpoint it, what was it? Was it what was it sitting in the water? <laughs> um, I do. I think we all fed off of each other. You know. Um, yeah. That's that's all I can really say about it is we all influenced each other and pushed each other musically because we all went to each other's shows. And um, yeah, there yeah. was a lot of a lot of support like that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and I think uh, also there's always been sort of there's always been a punk scene in Orange County too, like. <clears throat> um and los angeles obviously and so i think a lot of it for a lot of the bands came from punk as well but it's hard to say it's hard to say i I do think we all just influenced each other yeah yeah i mean obviously the foundation was first and second wave of ska obviously um (laughs) So Jama- Jamaican ska to British ska, and then and then we destroyed it, made it super fun. <laughs> um, going back to to one of Junior's first questions, the, sh- the shanties, mm-hmm. um, and I know that it was a, sh- a short lived group, but mm-hmm. you recall some of the other because I think the shanties played more of the traditional scene. Um, do you yeah. recall a few of the other bands that were around back then that, that you might have played with? I know I'm asking you to to, to, to jog your memory. Uh, that's a that's hard. Okay. Um, I just remember us playing some very small shows, um, and I can't. I'm. I mean, I maybe the Knuckle Brothers, like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe suburban rhythm, but again, Shanty's been yeah. more traditional. Would have probably would have probably played more like on the mod scene, right? Um, right. So, Stalig, mm-hmm. Stalig, what was the um, band called? Um, uh, uh, it's named after a movie, Stalig. 17 selling oh okay i can't remember yeah, that could be yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah it's it i'm kind of drawing a blank no, and i'm no, sorry no, that no, was no 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 it was like 
It was like two lifetimes. Ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Uh, completely understandable. Um, do you uh, are you listening liking any uh, of the? Because I hate to use the word revival, but but there is a even right before the COVID um, uh, pandemic period here. Uh, but there's been a resurgence and renewed interest or continued or grown interest in ska, you know, with, with different, the documentary or, uh, you know, that was out, different books. Um, and it seems like more ska bands uh, have also uh, formed. Um, any any newer ska bands that you have discovered that, that you've become fans of? Um, I mean, I love the skins. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you. I don't know. I don't really even know what, what defines itself as well, like, anymore. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was actually the first live show I. I like the first live club show I saw coming out of COVID. I saw that. I saw them play in Birmingham, and oh wow, it was just like I was so excited. I was like crying. I was like, oh my god, yeah, they're live good. music, and then. <laughs> And then everything imploded again. So we're waiting to come out of this one. But yeah, so I, I really love the skins. I think they're very talented. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to see them mm -hmm. over here. Oh, they're so great. Yeah, yeah. I really, really, really want to tour with them. And the Interrupter. Yeah. Yeah. Also love who played one of their first shows with Say Ferris in 2013. Um, at the El Rey. Oh, nice! Yeah, mm -hmm. love the venue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was fun. So the interrupters and the skins and and I can't say I know of much else at this moment. Or how about how about any genres? What what else are you listening to? I listen to a lot of I, I listen to a lot of old stuff like I've always listened to old punk um, and old punk meaning like I'm kind of a like um, I like a lot of um, sort of like uh, late 70s um, British um, lo-fi punk kind of stuff lots of like um um so i like a lot of um what are some of my favorite bands so um the au pairs i've been listening to a lot um the um who else yeah, like just lots of early punk i guess it's kind of been my thing but also trying to find a lot of like female voices and early punk the janitors they're american um what else eh. i'll send you guys a list cool. <laughs> oh we love that i have like yeah 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 i have i was um yeah Be before covid i was doing some djing and it was kind of my my chosen niche because i little bit of a like a nerd for a little bit more obscure recordings <laughs> of early punk or punk ish turntable or computer so. turntable or computer when you were DJing 
Oh, I'm, I, I wish I could do turntable. Um, but no, it's computer, but, um, definitely, I'm definitely into the science of it and the beats per minute and the, the, the chords, the songs are in and kind of arranging it. Like it's a show kind of nice. <laughs> when I teach it, that's great. silly. Yeah, There's a beginning, a middle and an end. And yeah. Uh, wow. So, I listen to like a lot of old breakbeat too. Okay. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and like, you know, ro old roller, like old music. I used to roller skate to when I was a little <laughs> kid. Like, 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 um, uh, no parking on the dance floor. No sure. parking, baby. <laughs> like, like roller skate punk from the like seventies yeah. and eighties yeah. and stuff. No, I'm sorry, roller skate. Um. I'm sorry, not punk, but roller skate. Um, what do you call it? Um, uh, punk. There you go. Roller yeah, skate yep, punk. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so um, what else? You had mentioned potential tour in the in the works and in, in writing. Um, what else is on the horizon for for you and and for Safe at First? Well, um, I getting out of this. Um, there's there's a couple things on the horizon um, for me as a solo artist as well. So I've been writing a show for Las Vegas, um, a small stage show for um, a lounge residency in Las Vegas. And it's Great. variety and comedy. And um, it's, again, embodies all of the things that are important to me that have always been important to me inclusivity and fun and not taking ourselves too seriously and music and dance and so I've been developing that and then also um, working on a marketing campaign to be the spokesperson for um, and I, I don't want to say because um, okay. it's, but it's for a kind of alcohol okay and so my Say Ferris persona. We're creating a marketing campaign for to be the spokesperson for that. So we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll send you positive vibes and good wishes on all that. That's that sounds exciting. Part of the biggest um, concept, maybe because you incorporate some light burlesque type, you know, uh, dancing yeah. into, um, into the your stage show. Is that incorporated mm -hmm. into this at all? As well. Um. Yes. Um. For, for this Vegas show, again, it's a smaller stage show, but um, I'll just say, uh, so what I do on stage is called shedding. Um, not, I guess it could be considered burlesque, but, um, but I basically shed layers. Um, what, what I'm doing is bringing real Vegas performers out of retirement um, oh. showgirls and musicians, um, people who have been aged out of the system, who I believe still have an incredible amount of talent and deserve to be heard and seen. So that's, yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So again, so the, 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 the talent is going to be very, um, very in age, very in demographic, very in, it's going to be varied. 
very varied. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think ageism is sort of like a last frontier or one of the last frontiers that we need to start talking about. Um, I think particularly in the music industry, I don't, I don't, I just see these incredibly talented people who can't get jobs mm. making making music, making art, and like. Yeah. why that's right um mm -hmm. it should be about the art right mm -hmm. so yes ma'am mm -hmm. agreed so and they're my favorite <laughs> kinds of people because i learned so much mm. from people who have so much more experience in life and in art than me so yeah. and they're and like these showgirls are still sexy they're like super like they're super cool with like just going topless they're like 70 plus years old and they're like hello it is beautiful it's like the most beautiful thing i've ever seen yeah it makes me so happy oh well good luck yeah. with that. that's that's great mm -hmm. i know is that yeah. going to uh working with save fetters well that's not going to be a it's going to I mean, it's me, like, um, and I'm going to be wearing wigs and fancy costumes. So it's going to have um, echoes of, say, Ferris, of course, because it's me. But um, that show is not mm -hmm. going to be a safe Ferris show. But um, like I said, we're, I'm, I've been writing um, and hopefully we'll have an EP released for a summer tour. Nice. Mm. We'll see. Here's, here's Wishing you the best mm -hmm. on that. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, believe me, we would have been out there earlier, but um, Omicron really hurt us. And prior to that, there were some um, big shows where things went down, went south quickly, and it kind of scared the industry for all of us. So mm. we had to. A lot of a lot of bands had to pull tours and stuff like that so i don't want to do that to people like i don't want to um you know sell all these tickets and then have to cancel and then a yeah. year later people are still holding on to their tickets like what the fuck? Yeah. you know so i want to do it and i just want to do it right mm -hmm. very, very yeah. well um yeah. I, I have one, one last question i was not able to mm -hmm. make um, festival because I had conflict, but I know people who went. Um, talk about your experience at Back to the Beach, um, which was kind of like the, the mega mega ska festival um, a few years back that you performed. Oh, the Back to the Beach. Okay, Back to the beach. Um, it was so. That was probably one of the largest crowds we had played for in a while. I mean, since since you know probably warped in 2017 and so it was great it was great to be back on my home turf i mean i grew up going to huntington beach and now we're playing on huntington beach you right. know so that was it was so much fun great shows yeah great great <laughs> I mean, again, like I, I look back and I think about the audience and I think about the whole experience of playing live and I get misty. I'm just like, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> like even my, shit, I'll take my shittiest, I'll take my shittiest live music experiences right now. <laughs> like I will take 
Anything. You have you want me signature wedding? You have plenty of distinguished company. We are well. <laughs> I, I, I will sing at your bat mitzvah. <laughs> Call me. You got, you, you got 600 bucks, I'll do it. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, Monique. This, is, yeah. this has been fun. We, we appreciate you taking the time and, and um, congratulations on, on just the wonderful career and everything that you've uh, given to mm -hmm. the fans and, and uh, the uh -huh. music. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, and good luck with your health, you know? Yeah, with your health. Rick, recover nicely. And yeah. Swiftly. Thank you. Fast. Thank mm. you. And all the best to you both as well and thank you for having me and oh we're been... ourselves with Jeremy. <laughs> yeah it's nice to talk about myself for a little yeah. while you know, like... those guys on television i watch some you know some watch many shows they think they have exclusive right to you no <laughs> yeah. nobody asks me about me anymore so oh, thanks guys yeah. I, I, I made it my point of duty we made it our point of duty we're to find right. out yeah. <laughs> Thank and, you. and thanks we're to your parents much. and your sister that you baptized into this great music <laughs> ah, god bless her i bless yeah. her every day yes my and she yeah she loves it yes. she, she loves it and she still yeah. listens to scare oh my god of course yeah <laughs> yes yeah that's what i'm talking about you know yeah uh, the girl the girl has good taste of course, nice. of course, of course. That being that offbeat music. <laughs> yeah, nice, but it's nice, infectious. Nice. Yes, yes mm. I suppose we reach our destination now. Yes, right? Yeah, we arrived. Mm -hmm. Well, I uh, want to thank all our viewers. And you always say that, say that part. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, Monique. And, and yeah. where, where can people find you online? Um, Safeairs.com. Mm -hmm. I mean, Safeairs official um, on Instagram, Monique Powell one on Instagram. I mean, just come to a show. Just keep your go. eyes peeled for, uh, and just come out and say hi. And so any show, any show in the immediate, in the immediate foreseeable future around the corner or we're waiting until the pandemic? Taking we're away? waiting until summer, mm -hmm. like maybe April, May, June. Okay. So. Fair enough. The tail end of the winter. I mean, I'm like Wait. pulling my hair out, counting the minutes until I can get back out there. So you're re rehearsing extensively, uh, preparing for uh, the tail end of the uh, winter into spring? Um, not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just writing, mostly yeah, writing, mostly writing. Yeah. demo writing and demoing and kind of working out this EP and, um, you know, the logistics of that mm -hmm. happening. So nice, nice. Well, that's about it. Taking it easy, spending time with my cat and my family. There you go. Yeah. Well, we've loved, we love talking with you, Junior. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, yes. Thank you. Yeah. For Hey, my favorite animal. What, 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 what is his or her name? This is Old Man Blue. Oh, Hi, Old Man old, Blue. Old Blue. He wears a little ska bow tie. There you go. All right. And it's blue because he's, yeah. he's a he's a zombie. <laughs> yeah. First, the first cat on this uh, on this podcast. He's my baby, and I'm so happy to have him with me again. He's also a giant. He's a giant cat. Yeah, that is a big guard. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. So, 
Oh, right, because when you were, he didn't go with you to, wow, well, okay. No, but now I have two, two um, lion head, lion-headed bunnies over in Birmingham that I, I miss terribly that my, my boyfriend is um, taking care of right now while I'm here. Uh, so, yeah. Cute, cute cat. Yeah. He's all right. He's all right. Thank you both. Thank you both. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> Indeed. Well, we're urging our friends and viewers and listeners to please follow us at History of Elaskia on Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and join us on the Facebook group and follow me, Junior Francis at Junior Francis. This series is produced by my good friend here, Eric Kohler for Rock Radio. Talk about your posting. You're still doing your postings? Oh, um, your, your, your daily posting. Yes, Rock Radio. This works like a firefly. <laughs> uh, Rock Radio, uh, my, my other partner in crime, Sean Heitkemper and I mm -hmm. push out daily playlists. Uh, daily. <laughs> different rock rhythm and soul and Jamaican inspired uh, playlists. Uh, Say Ferris is on some of them as well. Um, so you can follow us at rockery underscore radio. And um, again, Junior, thank you for all of your hard work and efforts here. Monique, again, it's been a pleasure. Stay healthy, stay safe. And we'll see you at some point later this year on stage by, by Old Man Blue, Little Man Blue? Old Man Blue. Old Man Blue. Old Blue. Old Blue. Old Blue. Old Blue. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Take care. Have a wonderful uh, Bye. evening. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thanks. All everyone. right. You bet. Everyone be safe and much love. Take care.